Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by our journalists on the ground in eight cities, Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, KL, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Byron Perry. I'm Vim Shanmugam. And I'm Summer Lee. So it's a Thursday, guys. We're doing this a little bit early. Um, tomorrow is a holiday. Any plans? Um, lie down horizontal. How about you guys? Nice. <laughs> no plans. <laughs> so yeah. boring. Well, in that case, let's just dive into the top stories. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nope. Nice one. Okay, we're starting off in KL, where I'm sure every single person on the entire planet, or if you're on this side of the world, you might have heard that this BBC chef tried to cook rice. And yeah, this Malaysian YouTuber roasted her. Oh, cooking puns. Nice one. But yeah, London-based Malaysian YouTuber Nigel Ng, aka Uncle Roger, met up with BBC chef Hersha Patel over the weekend. And this is just weeks after he roasted her on YouTube over an egg fried rice recipe that drew flack. And yeah, over an Instagram, according to an Instagram post by Patel two days ago, the pair met up amicably over dinner to discuss a potential video collaboration with each other. And yeah, he said, go follow her. Hersha is really good. She's a great presenter. She's funny. But don't post anything mean on her Instagram, okay? Otherwise, Uncle Roger will come for you. And yeah, he was. That, that's exactly what he was saying in the video post. And yeah, collab. so the 20- they're gonna yeah, man. And yeah, yeah, did you guys see see the clip of her like cooking rice? It was mm, criminal. It was a bit disappointing because um she's like Indian. I thought she would know how to cook rice in not that way, right? Right, Possibly. right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know just as white you people know, doing that, yeah, <laughs> part of the chorus. Boil your rice, then wash it off, then wash it off again, boil it again, yeah. Okay, I'm glad you you said that and not me because like I was gonna, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So just from the Twitter discourse, as is you know my other my second job that I moonlight yeah. at, just reporting what's on Twitter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some people pointed out that that's how you prepare rice for biryani, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Makes total sense then. Then I should shut does. the hell up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, this is an egg fries, uh, egg fried rice recipe. So I see why people, all the Chinese people, my Chinese brethren, would get upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did look very just cringy to see cooked white rice being washed. It was strange. It didn't yeah. work. That rice was wet. And then she used a colander to drain it off and then like rehydrate it. Like, I don't know, like I can cook at a normal level, but, you know, I thought there was just some like high level stuff that I didn't understand. But yeah, interesting. It's nice. It's oh, nice to see that they reconciled, you know, it's it's the rare like viral outrage cycle where. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they actually, the people, the, the person who flames somebody else, they meet each other and, and something yeah. kind of pleasant comes out of it. Mm-hmm. Together we'll like take over the world and like educate everybody as to how not to cook rice. Yeah. It's a worthy cause. <laughs> Me and my Asian ass is happy. I've always, <laughs> heard, I've always heard that for a fried rice, you need to have like, not stale rice, but like day old mm-hmm. rice or yeah. something. Yo, that- yes. As the yeah. authority. As a Chinese person, like, mm. uh, we, we like to use, like, overnight rice. So, like, you put it in the fridge. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, man. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. the stuff. Otherwise, it's just going to fall apart when you fry it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it's, like, overly cooked or overly moist or overly... Mushy um, and... Drained salt. in a colander. Yeah, and you get a nice char on the bottom, people. That's what we're after. The wok, hey? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice Uncle one. Uncle Roger Imagine. knows that one. Mm. <laughs> In her defense, like I am also Indian and I have yeah. no idea how to make rice. <laughs> so, I, it doesn't seem not like Instagram. She is she is a cooking show host though, right? Yeah, on BBC, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the way, I mean, is that generally, I don't really know this, so I think I'm kind of talking out of, out of my ass, but you said that's how you make rice for biryani, so maybe um, the Indian way of rice is making, of making rice is different, and you wash it after you cook it? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah, I guess, I guess it I depends on the grain as well. Like, I, I don't yeah, know the science, but like yeah. basmati or something. Mm. Wait, so you, you wash it up after it's cooked? That was what the whole outrage was about. She washed her rice after she cooked it. Um, what I meant was like uh, in in biryani. I don't think it is though. In biryani, because you cook the the meat in the rice, like well, yeah. for a dumb biryani, I don't think you wash it up after. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I love biryani, and I've watched some biryani making recipes on YouTube <laughs> um, from seemingly very knowledgeable, authentic folks that I think are in India, and they didn't wash rice. Yeah. Either. <laughs> I don't know, man. Controversy. Over rice. <laughs> well, to switch gears, um, some positive news coming out of Thailand. And if you're a Thai, it's time to be proud because the global COVID-19 index has ranked Thailand as number one for for the pandemic recovery. So the kingdom of Thailand went against South Korea, Latvia, Malaysia, Taiwan, and New Zealand and came up on top as the number one ranked um, country. So yeah, I think like you know Thailand has done a lot of things right to get their country recovering. I've been very skeptical of this, I have to say. I think <laughs> I said that earlier. I'm just kind of like, eh, really? Everything I know about Thailand, they yeah. Well, I'll shut up. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's one of those things where it definitely does seem like the pandemic has. Um, really not hit Thailand in the way that it has other places. But I guess what I'm skeptical about is how much their actual management of it has been the cause of that. Mm. Um, someday, maybe we'll find out. There will be studies written. But there was a story in the New York Times that was saying that, like, people are even talking about the genetics of people in, like, the Mekong area because, like, mm. Cambodia and Laos also have not been hit very hard. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it is interesting. Yeah, the whole region, you know, like Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, um, have done a pretty, pretty decent job in general. Whether it's yeah, like you said, whether it's you know due to the management of it or just, you know, just being spread out, perhaps. Sure. <laughs> you know. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are definitely no U.S. Yeah. First, at probably at the bottom of that index. Nowhere so. is worse than my country, and Vim's <laughs> country. It's absolute shambles. Uh, <laughs> absolute shambles especially the yeah. white house especially what the white house no no oh yeah total shambles, absolute shambles. Uh, too soon um, <laughs> no it's uh, if you know me you know i hate donald trump with every fiber of my being but oh, this really? is not a podcast about hating donald trump um if only. anyway Moving on to Bali, where there was a bit of a scandal, um, an American fugitive, speaking of my countrymen, was um, arrested and accused of making porn to support himself as he was stuck in Bali during the pandemic. So more great behavior from Americans. 
Actually, he was an Interpol fugitive wanted for embezzling up to $500,000 from investors in Chicago and using the money for his personal and business expenses instead of placing them in investment funds, according to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Solid dude. Um, <laughs> and when they found him, <laughs> when they found him in Bali um, yeah. and arrested him, what the Bali police chief told the media was that he works by making porn films to find money via the Internet. That's one of his ways to survive in Bali, and he communicates a lot with local residents. So according to that police chief, Beam had been in Bali since January, and he and his female friend have been uploading um, adult photos and videos online to cover their cost of living and moved several times and used different identities while in Bali. And when they arrested him in his villa somewhere in Bali, they found five cell phones and 14 sex toys, amongst other uh, things. So... I think we could start a podcast on tourists behaving badly in Bali because almost every week that's what the top story is. <laughs> and this is no different. Yeah. Um, it, it taps into a phenomenon, which I don't know if we've talked about on the podcast, but we did cover um, in Coconuts, Bangkok, and we're looking into potentially covering it in video is this phenomenon of people making money off sex work mm. or any sort of, I guess, porn, personal porn production with sites like OnlyFans, where you yes. can charge, um, who said that? <laughs> what? what? I love it. Get the back, sis. And like in this economy, you are the no, smartest it's awesome. people in the room. I do yes. think it's so cool that like, um, you know, sex work is what it is and it's going to exist and it's the oldest profession. And the yeah. lady we profiled in Thailand who uh, is doing this is making way more money than she was as a prostitute. She was a, a prostitute um, at a bar or something like that in Thailand. And um, I think that that's actually pretty cool. That's a, a, a pretty cool application of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think in a way, like the adult industry has sort of, you know, pivoted to that anyway, because you know, just with the piracy of porn and and content in general. Like, yeah. I think, yeah, this is a way for performers to, you know, keep a share of the, the pie and, you know, yeah. directly earn versus, like, being exploited in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot less exploitive. Yeah, yeah because they, they do it because they want to do it and the money gets paid directly to them. Um, yes. Yeah, obviously OnlyFans gets a cut, but... I think they mm-hmm. take something like 10%. And um, yeah, the rest goes to the to the worker. So cool stuff. Love it. And yeah, over in Singapore, this story has also gone a bit viral um, amongst us Singaporeans. But yeah, it's about this elderly woman whose devastating story went viral, and she's very stressed by the attention apparently. Mm. Uh, yeah, so the Ministry of Social and Family Development said it would assist an elderly lady and plead with the public to not bother her after the story of her financial struggles circulated online. But yeah, since the woman's account of struggling to find a better-paying job to support herself spread online, uh, the ministry said that social workers investigated the issue and found that the woman, identified as Madame L, is living in a five-room flat with her son's family and a domestic helper who are providing her with food and shelter. And yeah. Um, oh, so the original like sob story did not make it seem like she had that support and wasn't uh, other people. Yeah, so um, the guy who posted this online, his name is um, Meng Shren, if I'm not wrong. Um, he has since privated his Twitter since he's been getting a lot of hate. Uh, yeah, so he posted, you know, um, details of his chat with the lady. And uh, she said something like, oh, she's on the way to Sentosa to find um, to find out this manager wants to hire her for a dishwashing job. And Ooh. that she earns $5 per hour 
and she works four hours a day, so she earns twenty dollars a day. Yep. Mm. And so was it actually that the story was kind of wrong and the whole viral outpouring of sympathy for her and, and anger about maybe inequality and elderly people having to work was kind of wrong because she was okay? Or was it that, is the story true? Uh, I, don't know the ex- mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know the exact details. Clear. Yeah, it seems like, okay, so she might have exaggerated some of the details. Mm. And um, this guy who wanted to, you know, bring light to maybe the people that are struggling. And yeah, he, I think he said something like he wanted to push for a minimum wage. Because yeah. right now we have a progressive wage model. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, you know, people are like, you are damaging the fabric of our country. What minimum wage? Look at you. You're lying. Like, because your story is fake now, you know? So yeah, it started the whole thing. My God. Hmm. I think it was just a case of, yeah, an auntie, maybe, maybe allegedly, just maybe not saying, or like you said, exaggerating certain details. Mm. Or maybe it's just him uh, who who just took away like sort of the most negative parts of the story and kind of blew that up. And and then now obviously like after the alleged investigation or mm. official investigation and what came <laughs> out of it, like uh, yeah, I mean it doesn't mean that you're just because you live in a five room flat that you're well off, you know. Like mm. I think uh, you know there could be all sorts sorts of factors to it, um, yeah. but. Yeah, I think it's just it just falls into the larger conversation about um, helping the elderly yeah. uh, and seniors in Singapore, and that's something that you know 100% like it doesn't matter who you support or what you believe in. That's something that I think is very important. You know, like to help the generation that built the next generations. You know. Yeah, sure. for sure. I think there was also another issue um, about this because the original poster he kind of did post a picture of. Uh, Madam L, and that led to people trying to find her at Tampines, you know, to try to offer support. Mm. And yeah, Save so was... Madam L. Where is she? <laughs> yeah. She's in her five room flat with her helper. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah, then yeah, that raised privacy concerns. And yeah, while this guy did have good intentions, it kind of shone a light on how we maybe should respect people's privacy. But yeah, I, I would, I want to believe that, you know, he did do this with good intentions. And yeah, there was yeah. nothing wrong with it. And he started a whole conversation about minimum wage, which is good. We need that. Yeah, I think that, yeah, 100%. I think that's an important conversation that we had for sure. Another thing that I thought was weird, though, is that, um, okay, so MSF clarified the details of this post, but then they go on to describe Madam L's um, situation in detail. So it's like, wait, do do we care about privacy or not? Because, yeah, that's kind of, I I don't know. (laughs) So they kind of violated her privacy? Yeah, because yeah. they kind of explain her entire situation. Like, yeah, she is in a five-room <laughs> flat. She has a son. Okay, she's okay, guys. We investigated, and here are the details that we found. Then it's like, wait, wait. Didn't she say that she don't, doesn't want to be, you know, accosted by the public, but yeah. she doesn't want her details on the internet, but... Okay, yeah. what are we doing as, again? <laughs> as someone would, would know, this is uh, called, um, in, in Singapore terms, a cover backside site <laughs> <laughs> uh, reporting. <laughs> so... It's just a show, hey, you know, like we did the thing and we checked it all out and these are all the details. So don't come and don't come and blame us for something when it goes yeah. wrong. You know, Absolutely. Like, she earns more than $20 a day. Don't worry, guys. Nobody <laughs> suffers. It's all good. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Well, leaving Singapore and heading to Hong Kong, this actually is uh, I, I feel this story is personal to me, even though I've never been there. But um, Hong Kong Swindon. 
bookstore is closing its doors after 100 years in the business. Um, it's a legendary vintage bookstore, 5,000 square feet in Simsha Shui TST. And they've been in business since 1918, but they, you know, I think due to a lot of factors are now closing down and they're going online, but the actual place is um, going to be gone. So very sad news. And, and yeah, it's personal to me because like I actually love bookstores. Um, mm. Back in the day, summer, when you, you were still a little little kid, <laughs> the, it, was, it was a com- common thing that, that a lot of people did. We'd go to bookstores and hang out and uh, in Chicago and in L.A. Like there's some really old, cool bookstores. You can just hang out and just read books. And I, I always thought it was a kind of a communal place for people who, you know, maybe couldn't afford to buy certain things and just hang out and, you know, read stuff and get knowledgeable. Obviously, there's a library for that. But, you know, I think bookstores always had that sort of quaint, mystical, like, feel. Kind of like um, Diagon Alley. <laughs> what was that? Yo. Is that a bookstore here? Uh, <laughs> it's Alley. a bookstore. It, Diagon Alley is a bookstore somewhere. Well, it's not <laughs> even a bookstore. It, it's, not a, it's not a book. It's not even a bookstore. It's, a, it, is it's from an Harry anime Potter. thing? I'm very confused. <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, okay. Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they go get like uh, wands. I'm not even a Harry Potter fan. Yes. Okay. No, I read the first yeah. Harry Potter. I remember that. It is a cool part. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's so sad when any long-standing bookstore closes. Um, this one's been around for 100 years. That's incredible. Um, yeah. I hate it. It sucks. I love physical books. I, I make a real point to read physical books rather than ebooks mm. or whatever they're yeah. selling these days and i feel like it's such a nice break working in online media to read a physical mm-hmm. book so um r.i.p swindon <laughs> so sad yeah on to kl again our biggest story of the week was the guilty conviction of <laughs> former prime minister najib razak um for his involvement in the 1mdb corruption scandal. Um, For those that don't know, I'm not going to get super into it, but long story short, I think I can say this, or maybe I'll just throw it in allegedly, but Najib Razak, a bunch of other people, um, one of the main alleged masterminds being Joe Lowe, um, embezzled something to the tune of $5 billion from Malaysia's sovereign wealth fund, which was called 1MDB, almost directly mm-hmm. into their own pockets. Um, they funneled it through various shell companies in Abu Dhabi and I think Singapore and the Seychelles, et cetera. But it really was, um, I read the book Billion Dollar Whale, which is about it, written by a Wall Street Journal um, mm-hmm. reporter. And I've been following it really since it began, this scandal. And it really is one of the most brazen and in a lot of ways, just purely, just pure theft right out of the coffers of the government and out of you know the taxpayer's dollar in Malaysia. So Najib Razak was removed from power by an election. Uh, yeah. I believe it was in 2018. Uh, but earlier this week, he was found guilty of charges involving the transfer of 10 million US dollars into his personal bank account. So this was just um, one micro part of the several billion dollars which were embezzled. I believe there was a transfer into his account, which apparently this is not covering. That was something like $790 million or something like that. Um, so the verdict delivered in Kuala Lumpur's high court today found him guilty of all seven charges that he was facing, including alleged criminal breach of trust and money laundering. 
And later that evening, he was sentenced to, I believe, 12 years in jail. So everybody really couldn't believe it because this was a guy who was the most powerful person in the country, probably still is one of the most powerful. There is a lot of corruption in Malaysia and in many countries, as we know, people couldn't imagine that Najib or Jibby, as they call him, uh, <laughs> affectionately, would ever face the music and ever, yeah. you know, be convicted of, of um, this alleged crime. But it seems he has been convicted. He has been sentenced. He's appealing. So he's out on bail. He's not in jail right now, but I, you know, and anything can happen. I was actually just talking to somebody about this at lunch. That uh, my friend, a friend of a friend, is a Malaysian uh, who knows a lot about politics there, and said it really could. There's, you know, he could get out of this still. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, another story that we did after the sentencing, Najib Razak's daughter said, mm. "This is not the end," and said uh, on her Instagram, this is not the end, guys. We, we are disappointed, but we won't quit, said Nuryana Najwa Najib. Um, it's been a very long and emotional past 48 hours, but all the messages of prayer and hope and encouraging encouragement are keeping us steady. Today is another day, and another day brings endless possibilities if we keep our spirits up, inshallah. Wait, kind what of possibilities that. of what? You, you're trying to, is, is it a threat? <laughs> so yeah, he was sentenced to 12 years jail and fined 210 million ringgit, which is about 50 million USD. Mm-hmm. He's appealing and he's allowed to be out on bail. But um, let's see. Let's see how things go. It could really go either way that he does end up serving any jail time or not because he's still an incredibly powerful guy. But I think even just this, the symbolic conviction is a big step for people who have been following this for years. I know the Wall Street Journal reporter was like, his reporting was a part of this. They broke out into the open, you know, with various bank transfer documents that this, um, you know, alleged embezzlement had happened. So, um, yeah, I guess a bit of good news, I would say, from Malaysia. Yeah, it's a longstanding, (laughs) I mean, this is, yeah, this is going to get really, like, deep. But, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where it could be, like, a landmark, like, decision for the future of that country. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, on to our feature interview of the week, guys. We are interviewing Ilyas Sholahin. I hope I said that correctly, um, who is a former Coconut Singapore managing editor. Now he's working at Asia One, one of the leading um, news websites in Singapore, covering gaming and all things digital. Let's see if we can get Ilyas on the line. We're going to talk about gaming and esports in Southeast Asia. So we're on with Ilyas Sholahin, who is a lead content strategist for digital culture at Asia One, one of the biggest um, news publications, news and lifestyle, and similar to Coconuts, actually, but probably bigger and older, been been around for a few decades. Um, And we're going to talk about esports and gaming. Uh, So Ilyas, how has your gaming intake or gaming usage increased since the pandemic and the lockdown, the circuit breaker here in Singapore, are you playing more or less video games? Uh, I'd say a lot, lot more because <laughs> um, we've, been, we've all been like cooped up in the house yeah. for a long time, right? So um, yeah, it's 24-7 at home. Um, so you just have nothing to do after work. So mm-hmm. you just continue playing video games. And among other things, of course, but 
um, as compared to before the pandemic, uh, I think most like uh, I'm dedicating quite a chunk of my salary to video gaming stuff, <laughs> which is just sad. <laughs> That's not sad. It's it's a great thing. I mean, I just yeah. I mean, like I think last month I dropped about 1.5k for wow. a proper gaming uh, gaming PC, desktop gaming PC. Oh wow. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, Del Delfina, my wife, uh, did not like it, but I think, <laughs> I think now she's fine. <laughs> and so, do you game more with like an Xbox or a PlayStation, or actually at the PC computer? Oh, um, so for quite some time, I've been a PlayStation console uh, gamer for a long time because yeah. I was not able to afford a proper desktop gaming PC. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried gaming on the Mac for a while, but that experience is not recommended. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was a PS4 for a long time, and um, we're now with my desktop PC. I'm now the what we call uh, the PC master race all the way. <laughs> really, that's offensive. Yeah. I'm just gonna come right out and say that's very offensive. But, uh... <laughs> and what games do you play on the big gaming rig versus like what you would pe- play on PS4? Why do you need the big rig? Uh, the big rig is for more um, configurations, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. So with the PC, it's completely customizable. You can upgrade your graphics cards. You can upgrade the, uh, G- uh, the CPU itself. So mm-hmm. you can actually, the more money you have, essentially the more money you have, the better the graphics would look like on the games. Um, and of course, if you prefer the mouse and keyboard controls, uh, PC would be the best. Consoles, you can't do that. You can only use the uh, game pads. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, for first-person shooters, especially uh, mouse and keyboards are always the best, better than mm-hmm. controllers. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the, what, what's yeah. the top first-person shooter? What do you play? Right now, it's all about Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Hell okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A classic. Uh, it's uh, a classic. Eh? And um, uh, yeah, with the PC rig, uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, Call of Duty multiplayer. And um, as this, and I think the game has a new uh, mode, Battle Royale mode, uh, where mm-hmm. I think there's a hundred, a hundred players on one map, and then. We just take turns killing each other until the top person remains. Vim, are you a gamer? Uh, loosely, I, I probably was like, I mean, I'm gonna age myself. Probably back in the day, a little bit more. I, I still, I still play some, I still play some games when I need to. Sure. <laughs> like for example, like like Final Fantasy. Uh, yes, yes. You know, yeah, it's a remake. Like there's a remake on on the PS4. Like yeah, that's that's one that you you have to play. Like as a okay. video gamer, like if you don't, then it's blasphemy. So wow. <laughs> true gamer, true gamer. Yeah, yeah. And Summer, so Ilias, by the way, you're on with Vim and Summer, who are both here in Singapore. Summer, hey. are you a gamer? Um, hell yeah, cause like you should see my island on Animal Crossing. It looks super badass. Uh, like. Yeah, man. Nice. So, so you're an animal crosser. What What is an animal crossing <laughs> player called? Are they an animal crosser? I have no idea, but the community is fun. Like all you do is like um, catch fish and shake trees. That was really useful um, during circuit breaker, by the way. Like when we couldn't go outside and look at actual trees, like this was my escape. It's the only 
think I can, had. Uh, this, this despite, despite you... that description, it's actually quite nice to play Animal Crossing. <laughs> it is beautiful. Like, there's, like, freaking auroras and shit. And with this update they just released today, there's, like, freaking fireworks. Are you serious? Oh, wow. <laughs> you She's can play blessed. with... um. You can play with Brie Larson. Like she, she just joined <gasps> YouTube, started a new channel, and like her first, one of her first videos is her playing Animal Crossing and getting people to play with her. So you know what that is? That is taste. <laughs> That's taste. Captain Marvel herself. Mm-hmm. And well, Summer, so are you still are you still playing Animal Crossing regularly? Yeah, dude. You have to log in every day to keep up your streak. Like, of, yeah. like, you get you get a few, like, you get credits. Like, it's called Nook Miles. Only the real people <laughs> understand. It's so important, man. I'm such yeah. a noob when it comes to all this stuff, I must say. I haven't played games in many, many years. Mm. Last yeah. time I played a game, I think, it was at 1980 Bar, which I just walked by in Ooh. Singapore. Right. I was remembering <laughs> Street Fighter and stuff was fun there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh, yeah. There's always the sort of like return of the retro games, right? Like there were a few mm-hmm. consoles that were re-released the last couple years. Uh, you know, I think the Sega Genesis Mini Sega or, Genesis, or yeah. uh, PS1, uh, Nintendo NES, uh, mm-hmm. NES, yeah. And um, Sonic the Hedgehog got revamped. Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> You're a Sonic guy, right, Ilias? Yeah, so um, a bit of a background. The first game I played, ever was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Oh, awesome. That okay. was, that was, yeah, so I, uh, a lot of my childhood memories involved sitting down in front of a hand-me-down CRT TV <laughs> and, a, and a hand-me-down Sega Genesis. I think my cousin passed it to me. Uh, that was my first game. I just played Sonic the Hedgehog a lot and my sister was playing Tails, I think. Oh, so that's, I think that's really, yeah. um, Whatever that first game is that you ever got really into, mm. that's going to stick mm-hmm. with you for your life. Because for me, it was definitely um, Street Fighter. Yeah. Although even yeah. maybe Mario, I guess, was pretty damn huge before that. But mm. but I think I liked Street Fighter more. And I loved... Um, I never had video games in my house growing up. My parents wouldn't get me them. So I was always <laughs> just going over to people's house kind of to play video games. I was using them. I don't care about hanging out with you, man. Let's get the Street <laughs> Fighter going. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very communal thing. I think back in the day, yeah, I think like a lot of lot of us like probably didn't couldn't afford them, and you know the the, the kid who had the video games was like the most popular kid in school. We were like, hey, well, what are you doing this weekend? You know, like and we're invite <laughs> ourselves over. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's it's such a community. I feel. Do you feel like yeah. the the kid who had the best video game systems and the newest games also had like the most junk food and snacks? Because it was definitely like that for me, that like it was a double whammy. I could go over there and play Street Fighter and play all these various <laughs> games and you'd have like Gushers and uh, what else? Oreos. Soda. Soda. Gushers. I feel like it's the same, the, the, the same parent that gets their kid all the latest video games when they're like seven <laughs> is also not going to have an issue with pumping them full of um, sugar. tasty, <laughs> sugary junk food. But Ilya, so tell us about... Um, Obviously, in your role, covering gaming is something that you do, and so you know a lot about it. Um, Singapore seems to be a big hub of the esports and gaming industry. Mm. I don't, I don't, I know that's a huge subject, but again, I don't follow it too closely myself. Like, what are people talking about in Singapore's gaming scene right now, and why is Singapore such a hub of gaming? And what's what's the scene like in Singapore for for gaming and esports? Yeah, so esports. 
is like an uh, as you, as you would know, it's a whole juggernaut industry yeah. uh, right now, and that a lot of money has been parked into esports, esports branding, uh, the organizations. It's now even an um, Olympic event for the is it? Uh, SE. It's a Southeast Asian Games. For well, uh, last year, they had a uh, yeah, they were like teams from Southeast Asia. They were competing in Dota 2, League of Legends. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so, so uh, I wouldn't say I'm an esports nut, though. Though I do enjoy a game or two of Dota 2 once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I can probably say that in terms of talent and player base. The esports scene is, uh, I would say, bigger in uh, outside Singapore. Oh, okay. So, so I'm wrong. Like, not a hub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so you can. So in terms of talent and player base, you can find a lot of these hardcore gamers in Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, and uh, Philippines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and because these countries, they don't, uh, they they don't really have a stable access to electricity, Wi-Fi. Uh, expensive gaming rigs, uh, gaming PCs. So they are kind of limited in mm-hmm. the in, the, in those parts. So mobile gaming is actually mm-hmm. their platform of choice for mm-hmm. uh, gamers in Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Philippines. So you see games like Mobile Mobile Legends and PUBG Mobile. Those are huge in Southeast Asia, uh, but not really a little a little bit in Singapore. But though mm-hmm. they have a bigger fan base outside. Uh, and for but but to your point about Singapore being a hub, you are absolutely correct because Singapore is where uh, corporate brands they like to park the money for esports in Singapore. Yeah, because uh, Singapore is considered like a stable regional hub in Southeast yeah. Asia. So you see a lot of organizations and bodies being set up and actually based around here. So you see, I think late last year there was this. Uh, Organization called the Global Esports Federation, mm-hmm. uh, launched in Singapore last year. As uh, it's it's like a body to bring esports to an Olympic level. It's held okay. by uh, yeah, it's held by a Singaporean uh, National Olympics Committee guy. I forgot his mm-hmm. name. Uh, even but even even before this uh, Global Esports Federation was formed, there's a couple of organizations in Singapore called the Singapore Esports Association. And the Singapore Cyber Sports and Online Gaming Association, uh, long names. Um, all of them, they want a piece of the esports by uh, ever since um, the scene has started, I think uh, five ish years ago. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. And then uh, even recently, the, the biggest event that I've been to last year was uh, the first ever one esports Dota 2 World yep. Pro Invitational. Yeah. So yep. that was uh, one of the biggest uh, Dota 2 pro, like professional Dota 2 tournaments in Southeast Asia. It featured a lot of um, like professional Dota 2 athletes from all over the world. Uh, <laughs> athletes, I, think, I like that. Yeah, yes. That's what they call them. It's an e-sport. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it was held. Uh, yeah, it was held at the Singapore Indoor Stadium last year, and yeah, it, yeah. it was a really huge thing. Um, mm-hmm. If you were there, you wouldn't believe. Like, wow, this is where gaming is right now. So did you go to that, Ilias? Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I was there taking pictures and uh, speaking to some of the e-athletes. Yeah. How many <laughs> <laughs> How many people attended? Like, was it sold out? Uh, I 
can't remember how much um, it was packed i was there was, too yeah, for like packed, one day yeah yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, i don't know whether it was sold out but i know the all all the stands were pretty filled up by the time the final match was held and, and i think um uh they don't they don't only count the uh physical attendees they also count uh the actual uh viewers on on broadcast online yeah online yeah so i think million i think it's in the millions of, yeah. uh, in terms of viewership yeah i have a question about like the breakdown of i mean this is probably a little bit more technical but like a lot of these obviously the, you, there are a lot of leagues i mean a lot of like tournaments and you know they play fortnite league of legends and all that stuff yeah, and yeah. they actually have teams and people that sponsor them right they have like salaries and stuff and yep. like, <laughs> yeah how does that like i mean i guess like what is the is that like now the norm like you know you're i know like shack for example, Shaq and Rick Fox, like from the Lakers back in the day, um, they 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 own teams, right? They own like yes. the teams that go out and compete and stuff. Do do do. Uh, I Are you Rick training Fox. to become a professional, Elias? No, go ahead. I, I, I mean, I am a professional. No, no, no. Oh well, yeah. I know Rick Fox. Um, he's more in the um, professional fighting game scene, so. Mm. You can see him a lot in uh, this tournament called Evo. Uh, Evo is usually ha- held annually in Las Vegas. So it's the mm. biggest uh, tournament for fighting games. So Street Fighter, Tekken, uh, Smash Bros, uh, Mortal Kombat even. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think to your point about um, brands going coming on board, right? So... I think it's even more relevant in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Traditional traditional sports events are being cancelled. Or yeah. people people are just not going to stadiums and arenas anymore. And yeah. esports broadcasts, so let's say Twitch on and maybe Facebook Live. That's where the eyeballs are. Um, so right now there's been a huge jump in viewership. Uh, I think there has been um, studies and analysis uh, made uh, during the pandemic. There's been quite a chunk of uh, viewership increase on these gaming streaming platforms. Right? So, and we're talking about millions of views on each individual stream. So, where the viewers are, the money follows. And mm-hmm. brands really want to capitalize on that viewership and reach out to young audiences because obviously ads uh, are being blocked on ad block and everything. So, Mm. They will invest quite a chunk of money to be part of the broadcast. So the so so I can say that the cycle of uh, corporate money sponsorship it will just continue rolling for a long time. Sure. Yeah. And it seems quite fragmented that there's like, for example, in Indonesia and Thailand, maybe people are playing more mobile games, whereas here in mm. Singapore, people are doing maybe more um, PC games. Where do pe- what, what's is there a top platform to watch gaming? Is it Twitch or is it something else? And are there are there gamers that have their own basically huge followings and have become like there's quite a few um, in the West, right? Like PewDiePie mm-hmm. started as a gamer, right? He's one of the biggest mm-hmm. YouTubers in the world. PewDiePie. What's the scene for watching gaming? And like becoming a a professional gaming influencer star. <laughs> so in um, so uh, you're talking about Twitch. Twitch is bigger in the states. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Northern America, uh, Canada, and all that, maybe Russia. Uh, but Twitch doesn't really have a huge impact in Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. even though they have, even though they have a, a, a an office at WeWork in um, in the middle of town in mm-hmm. Singapore. Um, the bigger the bigger eyeballs in the region is uh, Facebook Live actually. So sure. Facebook, oh, yeah. Wow. So face, yeah. So Facebook Gaming is huge in the region. So you would see a lot of these um, Indonesian streamers, uh, Filipino streamers, they would just uh, directly broadcast their streams onto Facebook and they really get quite a lot of uh, viewership and and sponsors as well. Got it. And regarding being a celebrity, uh, Singapore, not so much, I would say. Uh, I think it's it's easier to, to have a bigger... Uh, because because you have a bigger player base in um, places like Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, uh, they would they would have an easier time to be uh, celebrities. Uh. In Singapore, you you need to know the right people, I guess. You need mm-hmm. to go. You need to get signed under the right teams who have the right connections to organizations. But I think. Even before esports became such a juggernaut, we had we we did have one uh, Singaporean uh, so-called celebrity gamer. Uh, he was featured in a documentary by Valve. So Valve is this um, is is the are the makers of Dota Two, mm-hmm. and they, they had this uh, very good documentary called Free to Play. It's about it's all about um, the thing about three three or four uh, professional Dota 2 athletes from all around the world. And um, mm. this Singaporean guy is one of them. Uh, yeah, and they really like documented his, uh, his rise in Singapore, his life in Singapore. Uh, and I think he was the first big celebrity coming out from here. Cool. And from the other countries, is there any gamer in Indonesia or Thailand or anywhere that's like quite huge with millions of fans? I, I, or does that exist, or maybe not yet, but it probably will soon. I think um, there's no one individual uh, who's a who's a big name, but I think people do recognize uh, teams. So because of this esports industry, there are like a dozen 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 or so esports centric website where they keep track of uh, team rosters, uh, team tournaments. Uh, that's where. I think people pay uh, attention to more uh, the, uh, the 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 team the rosters instead of individual uh, instead of individuals. I I can't I can't name I can't remember the names sure. of some. Mm. Well, it seems like it's absolutely exploding, and <laughs> um, I think it's pretty cool. Again, I, I'm drawn to like the fighter games, like Street Fighter, etc. But um, well, yeah, I think that's a great chat, uh, Ilias, learning more about Singapore and Southeast Asia's booming esports and gaming industry. Um, I hope to see you soon. Uh, I haven't seen you yeah. for quite a while. We've been stuck at home. I, I kind of miss the coconut party. So. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as we can have more than five people in one place, we'll have a little <laughs> secret party. Nice. Um, soon. But yeah, thanks so much for joining, Ilias, and have a great holiday. Hey, you too, you too. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much Thank for having you. Thanks. Cheers, man. Bye-bye.
Very interesting. I didn't know you guys were gamers. (laughs) (laughs) Summer's an Animal Crosser. (laughs) Vim is a Final Fantasy fighter. Is that what you call him? To be honest, I'm like I'm like a college douche. Like I I play Madden. <laughs> oh, I play Madden and and largely oh. Madden <laughs> and FIFA and, and yeah and FIFA and like um the fan NHL? the Final fantasy stuff. Uh, NHL I used to, but I'm really bad at NHL. NHL is so funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I should say I I played a shitload of like sports video games for sure. Total yeah. college douche. Yeah, Madden like, I, actually the one is I I stopped playing earlier because I got really un- <laughs> uninterested in football, but yeah fifa and nhl yeah same like yeah i still i still you know like you always say like don't buy sports games because they're the ones that like drop in value like the quickest but Mm. you just can't learn like you know after a while you're like i'm gonna get the 2020 i'm gonna get a 2021 and then 2020 just keeps on going it's such a racket every yeah although back when i paid much more attention it did seem like you know they improved it every year and yeah changes with the players so it was worth it yeah, and I think revenue stream sixty bucks per year, right? Per, per person. <laughs> yeah, and you could do like you know sort of like a live draft with your friends and yeah. you know make your own teams and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's super interesting. Like I know I, I don't I'm not like I don't follow the the gaming world too much, but yeah, it's interesting because like I think last year the year before they were thinking about like introducing like drug testing in mm. in. Leagues because they should. people are taking, taking like Adderall and like uh, Valium totally, and yeah, they're totally taking um, stimulants, you know. Yeah, or lots I feel of like months. every month I I see a story about somebody dying who's oh, been playing playing gaming for like forty eight hours straight. Yeah, in China especially I think in Korea and yeah, it makes you wonder. Um, they got to be on something I think. Yeah, I mean, I think largely, like, I like to think that I'm quite calm and relaxed. But when you're playing video games, like, that's the worst. Like, you get so, like, angry <laughs> and, like, agitated really quick. And, yeah, I could never be, like, a professional gamer. Like, I just would lose my shit. Like, you just all don't the have time. the temperament. <laughs> yeah, I, or, I have the skills. Video games. <laughs> Summer, not oh, well, Animal Crossing. That's soothing, right? Yeah. You don't get mad oh. at anything in that game, do you? Hmm. Okay, sometimes, right, when you dig a hole, right, you go straight, but it goes to the left, and that's like, that grinds my gears, my friends. Curious. <laughs> yeah, that's shakes and trees. Oh, yeah, that's calming. All I do is making waterfalls now. That's why I don't want to fight people. I think it makes me a better person. Yeah. I should have, well, we should have asked Ilias, like, if, um, if, like, gamers, like, you know, console gamers, like, kind of look down on, like, mobile gamers or, you know, if I was playing Candy Crush and <laughs> he was playing like Fortnite, like would there be sort of, you know, you know, sort of <laughs> a snobby I'm look? Sure, or... they do a bit, but actually, that's some, not something we talked about. But yeah, I think a lot of the most popular games, like Fortnite, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty positive does this. And one reason why they've been so successful is you can play it on anything. Mm-hmm. Right? You can play it on yeah. your mobile phone. You can play it on a console. You can play it on a desktop PC. I think. Am I right on that, Vim? I know that you can play it on a mobile phone very easily. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's on Switch too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So it's kind of like on omni much platform. Yeah. 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 It's, it's even you can even play it on you can even play it on Mac actually. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can, yeah. And according to, I mean, this is just a rumor. The new, obviously, the new Macs that are coming out with the ARM 
processors like they're supposed to be able to play like they're supposed to be like well allegedly like the first <laughs> step into sort of destroying the the pc gaming like like foothold so interesting yeah well, anyways, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. And per usual, you can become a Cocoa Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership or make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron. As well, we just launched the Coconut Shop where we're selling very cool Coconuts brand logo tees as well as a new product, which is really exciting, the Coconuts City tees. We have a Coconut Singapore tee, Coconuts Bangkok tee, Coconuts Bali tee, so you can rep your local city. Uh, with pride represent <laughs> um and yeah that's it for this week guys talk to you next week happy long weekend in oh, singapore bye. bye guys the coconuts podcast is a coconuts media production our hosts are byron perry vim shamugam and summer lee our production manager is clarissa cortez our editor is Raina lim